Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there and welcome again to the Adoption Chronicles. Today we're talking with Madeline Smith and she's here to tell us her adoption story and I hope you enjoy the episode. Welcome to the show, Madeline. Thanks, Mick. My pleasure. So I guess with all uh, adoption stories, we need to go back a fair bit in time to start the story. Um, Where does your story start? Um, it starts in Sydney in January 1968. Yep. Um, I was born at Royal North Shore Hospital and um, and began my life in uh, uh, the Manly region. Yep. And I think my parents. I just found out. I thought I I thought I was adopted out at um, six weeks, but I've just got my papers actually not long ago and I was it was actually only three weeks um yeah so that was interesting to find out yeah um so my birth mother had actually told me when I met her that she went to get me back when I was four weeks and they'd said um and they had told her that uh you know I was already gone and I was always a little bit suspicious about that because I thought it was, you know, I was six weeks old. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that was interesting to find out. I can imagine. Yeah. So um, I guess we'll, we'll come back to that to a touch. Um, so sure. you you were uh, raised as an adopted child. Yes. Were you told early, or how did you find out that you were adopted? Um, something I always knew. Yep. Um, I always remember 
um, that my parents told me, like a lot of other people on your podcast, that, you know, we were special, my brother and I. Yep. Um, so I have an older brother who is also an adopted person yep. um, who's 18 months older than me. Yep. And um, my our parents had a book called The Fairweather Family or okay. Fairweathers. Yep. And it was a, a, about a story who adopted a boy and then a girl. And so I did heavily identify with that story in the book and I kind of liked looking through that book when I was a young person. Yep. Um, and, yeah, we, you know, we were told that we were special and I think as a young child my mum told me that I used to tell people, hey, I'm special because I'm adopted. Yep. <laughs> and, uh, you know, so that. In a lot of ways, I guess, fed into me also feeling like it was a bit unusual and yeah. different, um, yeah, <laughs> which I think, I think is a common theme amongst yeah, a lot of adoptees. Absolutely. Uh, and that's one area that I think I, I do come back to a little bit is how how did you feel uh, and, and how were you emotionally growing up with that? Uh, I guess how, how was your interaction with other school children and your friends? was. Mm-hmm. Did that play any part in your growing um, up? Well, I didn't know any other adopted kids. Yep. Um, when I was at least in primary school, I had one girl in my year, um, you know, going through high school that was adopted. Um, so you did feel, um, I guess I've always felt like a bit of an outsider. Yep. <laughs> um, um, and, you know, I've always been a bit, rebellious as well um okay. so that i don't you know it's probably a personality trait not so much an adopting trait mm. and i had close relationships um my, my dad's two brothers had six kids mm-hmm. um so i i felt a lot of um familiarity and closeness with the, both of those families yep. um and still do um so both my parents have now passed away and I'm, you know, I'm still in contact with all my cousins, my auntie and uncle. Yep. Um, and I do feel strong attachment to them. Um, but I also did feel like we, the, my brother and I were the odd ones out because there were six kids in each of the, you know, their families. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And yeah, so it was kind of a bit unusual. My parents were older parents as well. Okay. My mum was 33 when... Um, she got my brother and then 35 when she got me. Um, so, you know, I always felt that stigma of having older parents, um, in a way, which is funny now, because I had my first child at 35 and my second at 43. (laughs) (laughs) Um, now I'm going through, I'm going through it from the other perspective. Yeah. And, Um, And that's a lot more common today than it was when you were growing up as well, I guess. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Most of, um. You know, I guess my friends that had a lot of children in their families and maybe they were the babies, they yeah. had older parents. But, yeah, it's uh, it's much more common these days. Yeah. I don't feel like such a freak. No, well, you're not, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, part of the crowd, actually. Yeah. Um, so I guess then growing up, moving into your uh, teenage years uh, and you knew that you were adopted, did you have any fantasies or daydreams about what it would have been like if you weren't adopted or did that ever come across your mind? Oh, yeah, all the time. Um, (laughs) I remember 
I remember distinctly feeling like um, I didn't belong in the family that I was put in, uh, all the teenage anxiety and angst that came with it. Um, uh, Yeah, I wasn't particularly close with my brother when we were growing up. We were very different. And so I did even almost feel like an outsider in my family a lot of the time. Mm Um, I had an amazing mother, um, you know, who could, you know, was the best mother I could have wished for. I did have a sort of tricky relationship with my dad, um, but that's a whole nother podcast episode. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, my brother and I are quite close now, but yeah, I, I have always felt, yeah, that I didn't really belong anywhere. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I remember kind of having a fantasy about my birth mother um, as well that, you know, she was forced to give me away and um, I had this sort of um, fantasy that she was a bit downtrodden and, you know, didn't sort of have much of a voice. Yep. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> uh, so Yes, definitely felt felt that lack of belonging yeah okay um so then you probably would have been about 15 or 16 oh no probably a little bit older 20 or something like that when the laws changed Mm -hmm. yeah and the birth certificates were a little bit more well a lot more available to find Mm -hmm. out uh your story um how how did you find that news um, so I can't really remember how I found out that when the laws changed, but I was about 23, 22, yep. 23. And of course, um, I, yeah, straight away I contacted, um, the department who I think then put me into contact with the adoption triangle, okay. um, organization and they, um, sent me a, a template for a letter to write to okay. any sort of prospective um, families that yep. could be my birth parents. And, of course, there was the vetoes back then. And, of course. Um, you know, so you, it was everything was a bit unsure and everything took so much longer because it was all just letter, yeah. letter writing. Um, and so they – so, yes, I got the birth certificate and – um, looked in the phone book and I remember there were only 17 um, entries with that surname in the right. phone book. So, okay. so before, um, before you started, I guess, that search mm-hmm. and, and you had the realisation that you could uh, get the information that you needed, mm. was there anything that made you want to look or when that decision was made, you obviously had a choice to search or not search. Mm. Was it something that you needed to do straight away? Like, oh, this is just a (laughs) a given that I have to do it? Yeah, zero hesitation. Right. Yeah, straight away. I was like, right, I'm onto this. Um, I was just so curious to find out what my story was. Right. Um, Yeah. Yes, and I I remember my teenage years going to the hospital and um, 
and asking and with a, with one of my friends was let's go to the hospital and find out what time I was born. Yeah, and right. Like I was just it was always just, you know, I was so fascinated. Yep. It, yeah. Just, you know, you want the pu- the pieces to the puzzle. Yep. Um <clears throat> yeah, so no hesitation. I wrote the letter yep. and within a couple of weeks I had heard back right. from um, my birth mother's sister-in-law. Okay. Um, so this is lived, back to the of, phone book. So you've gone yes. down to the phone book. Did you um, write them all a letter or how did that? I did. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I wrote them all this letter <laughs> saying something like, oh, hi, um, I lived in you know, where she lived in yep. at this time. And I'm just one, wondering whether you know where she is. Like it was a very generic mm-hmm. letter. Um, and so then her sister-in-law rang me right. and um, and said, I know who you are and, uh, and I can arrange for you to meet. Wow. Um, and so she wasn't living in Sydney at the time, but she came up and um, and I remember being super nervous that day and yeah. my, and going there with my mum to meet her. I thought I felt like that was really important to include mum in that of whole course. process. Yep. Um, and also I needed her there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I yeah, so we turned up this house and. And, yeah, my birth mother opened the door and I remember thinking, wow, she's actually quite beautiful. I think remember her thinking she looked like Olivia Newton-John. Okay. <laughs> and, um, and it was a bit awkward um, to start. You know, it was actually a pretty awkward day. Yeah. I remember, yeah. Um, and I met my three half-siblings on that day. Okay. Who had only just found out that oh, I existed. Wow. So she had kept that secret from them for 20, yeah. you know, well, not, yeah, my, I've got an older half-sister. Yep. Oh, okay. She actually, yeah, who she actually kept. Yeah, right. How did you feel about um, that when you found that out? Uh, I was actually fine. I'm fine with being adopted, yep. <laughs> funnily enough. Like, even though I say oh, I had no sense of belonging, um, I, you know, obviously I'm, it's, I'm in this family. And, yeah, yeah. And, um, I didn't know them, so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, it was a bit, you know, it was just a, I guess, another component to the story. Yeah, to her story, and you know, I guess there was a lot of shame around it for yep. her. Yep. Um, and that's why she wouldn't have told them, I guess. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess that was interesting. You know, I felt for them as well. Um. Only, you know, it would have been a shock, especially for my older sister, yeah. who now, like, we are really, really close, um, which is one of the best things to come out of that yeah. for me. Um, and we've talked about it a lot. So, um, you know, that's a bonus. Yeah, that <laughs> is a bonus, absolutely. So when, when you first met your birth mother, did mm. she tell you the story of how that uh, her decision came about yes. to adopt you? Yes, um, she did. She um, told me, you know, where I was conceived, who, who the dad was, his name, um, and said that she really wanted to 
um, keep me but her father because she'd already had one child Mm -hmm. out of wedlock in the 60s. Her dad had said, no, um, you can't keep this child. Um, And, yes, the fact that um, she told me about my birth, that um, the shifts of the midwives changed as... Um, you know, before I had been born and the new midwife that came on shift didn't know I was being given away oh. for adoption because back then they used to just sort of take the baby and not let the mother see the baby. Right. Um, and so she said she got to hold me for about half an hour. Okay. After I was born. Um, and she did, she apologised and so, you know, she felt obviously that guilt and grief yep. um, all her life. My life, at least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know? um, so I had, yeah, I remember reassuring her that I had a, had a really good upbringing. Yep. Sorry, that's sorry, I'll just turn on some. That I'd had a really good upbringing and, you know, it's okay. I, you know, I don't um, blame her for anything. Yeah. So we were very open that weekend. We ended up seeing each other a few times over that weekend. Um, I remember thinking to myself out of all the four, her four children that I looked like her the most okay. and yep. we, we shared similar um, mannerisms. Um, we sort of stances, walked the same. Had, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fasc- that was really fascinating. Um, after that, I, yeah, she, it felt like, um, she kind of wanted to invite me into the broader family unit. She's sort of big family. Yep. And I do have vague memories of going to a family reunion and feeling kind of odd and weird. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a bit of a showpiece and yep. <laughs> yep. Felt strange. And then after that, I, I actually put the brakes on that relationship going any further, really. Yeah. Um, it overwhelmed me and, um, you know, I remember, do remember being quite insensitive about that at yep. that age and sort of saying I've got my own family, you know. Um, so, you know, we've kind of had a bit of a distant relationship since then. We haven't had a bad relationship, but it hasn't been a close relationship. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how you know at the moment <laughs> it's probably a bit strange um well you've got to do what's uh, right for you oh, first no... and foremost yes yeah exactly um but yes i think as i said the best thing to come out of that was my relationship with my half sister right. my older half sister and you met her on the first day i you... did yeah so how <laughs> did um how did that un- evolve I guess so. You would have um, been thrust upon her to a degree with with her finding mm. out very last yeah. minute. Um, yeah, yeah. I felt her shock. I felt her um, dis-ease with it. Yep. Um, her yeah, her sense of wanting to sort of remain a little bit distant um, at that weekend, but also she's a she's a great woman and, um, you know, at the same time, not wanting, you know, also reaching out and 
um, I guess we've, we're very different, but also we have very similar values and strong sense of injustice and similar political (laughs) persuasions. So we're able to, you know, we relate to each other on a lot of ways. Um, It's been interesting just talking to her as we've sort of grown older together, um, finding about her perspective on, you know, whether, how I would have sort of felt growing up mm-hmm. with her and and her mum because it was pretty lots of wild days initially um, and and my birth mother ended up sort of marrying a guy that had six kids and that was pretty um, like a, just a strange, not very great time. Yeah. And I, listening to those stories from her, it's, I do... I feel grateful. <laughs> yeah, that would have been hectic. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yes, it's, it's you know, while I say I, I did miss out on that sense of belonging, I did feel a strong connection to my mum yeah. in the family I was in. Yeah. yeah. And my dad, like we had a tricky relationship, but, yeah, I definitely yes. <laughs> have attachment and connection with them. Yeah, absolutely. I think... Um... Uh, it wouldn't be a normal father-daughter relationship without it being tricky, I reckon, having a daughter myself. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. Interesting. Yeah. Um, So at the start of the show, you said that you received your um, information about when you were adopted and it was three weeks instead of six weeks. Mm Mm-hmm. Did did you find out why that was the case? No. No. I haven't. And I haven't, um, I mean, I guess back then there was, they had so many families wanting babies yeah. and, um, you know, it wasn't really hard to give babies away. A lot of people uh, on the register looking to add to mm-hmm. their family. Um, yeah. And I think it was a, yeah, a very different time, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um so I do feel for my birth mother in that regard yep. as well that she did go back. Um, but, you know, what it was like, they, don't, they didn't sort of give those women any agency in that process back yeah. then and um, it was really sad. Yeah. And, yeah, so I feel for her in so many ways. Yeah, of course. Because mm. I think um, the way I see it is that that's got to be one of the biggest decisions, if not the biggest decisions of her life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and being a mum, you yeah. know, you realise how hard that would be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. and then once that decision's or made or the result, which is the carrying out of that decision, of following through with the process, there's no or there wasn't any counselling or follow-up for the... That's right. Yeah. 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 Thank goodness times have changed in that regard. Yeah. I think we're a lot more uh, aware of how things affect our our emotions these days, which is really good because then we can heal and work through them. Um, Whereas I think, yeah, back in the day it was a case of um, just deal with it yourself, which... No, I don't think that really worked. Yeah. No, it doesn't work. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, there's 
you know, people walk around with a lot of shame. Yeah. And yeah, it's not a not a good thing. No. Well, I've um yeah, I've got uh an interview coming up that uh might go a long way to uncover some of the history uh in the fifties uh about mm-hmm. adoption and <laughs> some of the uh effect that that had back then even in the 60s i think it was an improvement from the 40s and 50s right um, yeah and we're still evolving today really which is yeah. a good thing that's right we victoria's just um you know said sorry yeah. <laughs> which yeah. is great and opening up all the records yeah it'll be interesting what it uncovers mm. yeah yeah absolutely Oh, is there any um, other area that you would like to uh, talk about? Um, so, <laughs> well, there's the, there's the whole father side yes. as well. Yep. Um, so, yeah, she had told me what his name was. Yep. Um, in about 97, I was doing a uni assignment in the State Library and saw the microfiche electoral role oh yeah and found his details okay and um stupidly as a 29 year old i phoned him oh said hi i think i might be your daughter how did that go yeah not great as you can imagine (laughs) yeah (laughs) um so and i yeah so he was shocked and said oh i don't know about that i pretty sure she was seeing someone else at the time i'd like to have a dna test i'm coming to sydney in a few weeks let's have a dna test so we met at the doctor's surgery and had blood taken and back then it was pretty expensive it was about 600 dollars or something and yeah, i right. presumed he was paying because i oh. was a... and a few weeks later they rang me and said are you going through with this test and i thought oh I thought he had already paid for it. Yep. And so I contacted him and he's like, no, I want you to pay for it. So I called my birth mother at the time and, and said, I'm yep. sure that he's my birth father. And she said, yes, I'm sure. Um, and so I basically sent him a letter and said, no, don't worry, you know, um, and haven't had any further contact with him right. since. And always just felt like it was him and I don't need any further evidence. And then in about 2013, um, my husband and I did our ancestry DNA and I was kind of doing it just to find out what my um, ancestry was, right? Yeah, you yep. know, oh, great, I'm, you know, well, <laughs> Scandinavian, what, Danish. And that's right, English, that's what sorry. the TV ads say. <laughs> yeah, I hadn't even really considered that it was going to find any family members. Yep. Um, and it wasn't until a about three years ago, one of my friends sort of said, oh, and she was getting into sort of um, being a detective on Ancestry and really enjoying it and said, oh, do you want me to see if I can find some family members? And so, of course, I'm like, yep, sure. Yeah. Um, You know, hadn't really occurred to me, but, yeah, if you're going to do that, that's great. Um, And she came back and said, it's really odd. You have only got, um, you know, I had sort of 90 something matches. Okay. And she said, it's highly unusual for someone your age, at least to have so few matches. Usually the average person will have about 400 matches. Ah. 
And she said, every search that I've done leads back to your mother's side. Right. Your parents might be related. <laughs> oh, okay. So she said, I'll check. I'll put your DNA on Jed match or yep. Jed something, yep. um, some other site. Okay. And to check. And so I had a few days of going through a bit of an identity crisis I and checking imagine. my own personal biases and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all of that. And, um, yeah, and then she came back and said, no, they're not. Well, it's not showing up. But they are on that yep. search. Um, and so the search has kind of continued. Okay. Um, and all all leads re- lead back, all of the matches lead back to the mother's side. Um so when that happened, my birth mother had just moved back to Australia. She'd been living out of the country for a long time. Okay. And so I called her and very sensitively kind of brought that up. Yep. And, you know, that this has happened and, you know, he might not be my birth father. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, yeah, she, she did get quite defensive yep. and reaction, reactionary and... So I kind of left that yep. um, that avenue, and I found a caseworker at the Benevolent Society who kind of said, "Okay, well, it's about finding your dad, mm-hmm. so let's not focus on your mum's story so much." Um, and so that's why I have just recently sort of got it's taken over, I think, about a year and a half to get all of my records. Um, from facts and from the adoption unit, yep. and um, and yeah, so we're at the point now where there, I had to write a letter to um, the guy, the birth father, yep. um, sort of explaining what's happening, and then they're sort of acting as an intermediary to try and contact him and get a DNA test from him. Right <laughs> now, all yeah. these many years later, when yeah. we could have had it. You know, yeah. back in '97. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so that's not his position that. at all. Pardon? Has he softened his position at all? I don't, I haven't heard anything right. back yet. Um, and obviously, I didn't want to. You know, I want to take this a little more gently than what I did with him in yeah. the '90s. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> um. Yeah. So. Um. Yeah. Phil. Yes, that's probably the worst thing that I could have done, really. Um, you know, in hindsight and with yeah. age, you realise, mm. um, you know, that everyone's got their own stories. But it did also always stick in my head that he said that he thought he was, she was seeing someone else at the time. Right. Um, so um, I then sort of reached out because my friends sort of came to a standstill and I reached out to... Um, the Adoption Australia, um, you know, the angel, the, the, yes. the genealogy angels. Yep. And Janine did have a look for me as well, but yep. sort of pretty quickly came back with sort of saying, actually she said, I've never seen anything like your um, record. She said, it's, I've, you know, usually the charts have six different colours and I've got two two colours only. Wow. Um, so the explanation could be that he's from an Eastern Bloc country that don't test, yes. don't testing yep. or um, got no surviving, you know, a really small family, no surviving 
family members or maybe um, the man who I was told was my birth father is adopted himself. Ah. <laughs> I don't like it's a mystery. I mean, I'm still like don't have that final piece of the puzzle. Right. And um, yeah, so and when I did meet him, he did tell me that he was from quite a well-known um, colonialist family, which is a really huge family because yeah. I've researched them since thinking that I was part of that family. Yeah, right. Um, and, you know, it. I just think it can't be him because if it was, it's, you know, that it I would have up. had a match with one of them at yeah. least. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so it's just um, still, yeah, that's still up in the air. I'm still waiting, so that's yep. to be continued. Um, I've learned to be really patient. <laughs> it sounds now. like um, we're going to have to have a part two here, Madeline. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, I'll um, definitely let you know how, how it all pans out. Yeah, now that'll be good because um, it's, I guess the part of the stories is part of the investigation, but then to receive answers as well is something that mm. can give you closure, which is really important. Yeah, yeah, I do feel like it's. I really need to have that closure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I'll keep going, and it is a little frustrating to me just that I have a person who can tell me the truth, but yeah. isn't. Yeah. Um, but I also get that. I understand that that might have been, there might have been trauma around the time of my conception. And, yeah. um, you know, you can build a lot of layers yeah, on top of absolutely. that. Absolutely. And, um, <laughs> you know, I think um, the conception stories can be as wide and varied as every single day as well. So who mm -hmm. knows? And depending on, yeah, there could be trauma around it. There could be... Um, you know, it could be uh, alcohol and memory loss. Who knows? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, there's, there's, sometimes there's no way to tell. Mm, yeah, that's right. So, um, yeah, so it's an interesting story, but um, yeah. not over yet. <laughs> no, not by any stretch. But yes, no, you'll have to, um, you'll have to come back on and give us the uh, the update when you do get some news. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. I hope so. I hope. I hope there's some resolution for yeah, sure. Yeah. Absolutely. Me too. Um, mm -hmm. If you were able to, and I guess you are able to, talk to uh, anybody who's uh, going through a similar experience or went through a similar experience to you, what advice have you got for uh, anybody with your adoption as part of their story? Mm -hmm. um, I think it is important to feel like you're part of a group. So it's um, – I have just sort of connected in, in with that Facebook group, which is kind of great because you do see similar stories and yeah. people going through similar things and, like, books are mentioned that you can read. Yep. Um, and then, yeah, you don't feel so alone um, in, the, you know, the world of adoption because people who aren't adopted – will never understand. No. Like even we all have such different varying um, upbringings and experiences, but we all have a similar core feeling, Yeah. Um, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, there's also, you know, the mother wound and, um, you know, that's something that I guess needs to be worked through. Yeah. Um, 
you know, sense of abandonment is a common theme, um, hypervigilance, anxiety. Yeah. You know, I'm a massive control freak still. Okay. <laughs> so wanting to control your environment, you know, I think they're all pretty relatable themes yeah. for adoptees. Yep. Um, so, yeah, talk, you know, go to groups if you can, have counselling um, and respect everyone's journey in the way they want to do it, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Yep. No, very well said. And yeah, thank you very much for coming on to the podcast, Madeline. I really appreciate your time and uh, thank you for telling us your story. Thanks, Mick. Thank you for listening. My pleasure. <laughs> it's, a, it's a story that you don't often get to tell. No. Um, or you don't really want to tell. Yeah. Um, to, you know, to everyone you meet. But um, yeah. yeah, it's been great having a chat with you and thank you so much for the podcast but actually i think that's another thing that is um really a a a good resource as an adoptee to listen to stories from every perspective yeah absolutely thank you very much and i didn't appreciate the i guess the the right term is eluding me but the gravity of telling the story and how it helps other people is something that I didn't appreciate to start with. Um, mm-hmm. Now I've got a pretty good understanding of, of, of what what it is that we're doing. Even though the story that we tell and your story is all about you and your story, mm-hmm. it helps so many people in so many ways and even if it just gives them an understanding of their own path that they're taking I think it's um, a wonderful thing that you've you've done and thank you yeah absolutely yeah thank you to you as well no worries I appreciate it thanks Mick thanks Madeline that was Madeline Smith telling us her adoption story and if you've got an adoption story that you'd like to tell I am more than happy to help you tell it whether you're an adopted child or an adopted parent where you've adopted children yourself or you've given up children uh, more than happy to uh, have you on the show so you can tell uh, your story from your perspective Um, and yes it will definitely help everybody out there as well so thank you and once again talk to you again next week Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer after for years to come try their sheets with a 30 night guarantee plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com code buttery exclusions apply see site for details